Hey guys, this is one of the co-hosts of this program, Wyatt speaking. If you don't know already, these are the first few episodes of our ongoing podcast called Discuss All Monsters. For personal reasons, we took a few month hiatus from releasing these episodes, and in the meantime, we did things like rework the Patreon, we joined up with the Greenlit Podcast Network, and we even secured some awesome future guests for our program. I want to give the first episodes a bit of polishing before we relaunch on October 9th in order to give us the best possible first impression. I think they're great episodes, but I definitely have improved in audio editing in the years since we started. Don't worry, nothing huge was changed. Really, I just cut out some of the crosstalk and cleaned up the audio across the board. We got so, so many more episodes to go before we're all done with this series, so please listen to these and then stick with us as we carve our little niche talking about the history of Toho monster films and so much more. Now, on to the episode in question. Hello, one and all, and welcome to the second episode of Explode When Defeated presents Discuss All Monsters. I am Wyatt, I am your host for this episode, and with me today is the beautiful Nikki Austin. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself and what this whole thing is about? Yeah, so this is a this is a, a podcast about Toho Monsters. It is going to be a lot of Godzilla, but it is going to be a lot of stuff that uh, also isn't Godzilla. And we're going to be talking about the history behind these films in the first half of the episode, and then the content and our opinions on the film in the second half of the episode. This episode was so big that we had to cut it in half. Yeah. Uh, due to the first history segment just being so large. That will not be normal practice going forward. No, yeah. Uh, maybe it will prop up during specific movies, but going forward, it will try. we'll try to keep it in one episode. But this time, it's a special occasion. This movie has some actual, like, real historical import, uh, and we want to give it the due diligence that it deserves. So we already have the first episode, which is all about the history of, of this movie so watch that one first or if you do not care about the history and you just want to hear us talk about this movie just chill out then hey continue watching or listening do whatever you want yeah yeah you can watch you yeah. can watch the little bar move across yeah yeah yeah, yeah you can eat this episode if you want we'll figure out a way <laughs> yeah screw yeah, it yeah since we already went over the history we're not gonna dwell on that much but we are talking about godzilla 54 or Gojira, or Godzilla, King of the Monsters. But we were talking about the Japanese version, Gojira, the original 1954 movie. And for anyone that wants King of the Monsters talk, we did talk about it at the towards the end of the first episode. It just doesn't warrant its own. So why don't we just jump right into the movie itself and get this discussion train a rolling? So right as the movie begins, like black screen, white text, like stark, just. I was watching the movie with the lights off in my room Same. or atmosphere. Uh, yeah. And like, it was just like complete wall of black. And then like this white text. And then you just hear Godzilla's like screeching, like scraping roar. Yeah. And uh, Godzilla's roar is kind of like a stock sound in movies and television 
all around the world but like the original like low fidelity version of it is like legitimately it is scary it is like nerve-wracking yeah yeah it's uh <laughs> it is definitely has an effect whenever you listen to it loud and you're in a room and it's dark and yeah it's it's something else starting the movie it's like getting smacked in the face with a big brick right off the bat and that you'll be continued to be pelt by bricks as the movie progresses <laughs> uh, and then as the credits are scrolling up you, there is the sound of like stomping stomping yeah. it sounds like explosions so right off the bat we're like okay this is not going to be a subtle movie uh, yeah. this is going to very much lean into what it is and that is a very good thing by the way uh, like I said in the last episode, some anvils need to be dropped. The movie begins with a bunch of people on this ship, and they look out into the water, and then boom! Giant radiation of light comes out and just, like, sears their eyeballs and likely damages their boat and kills them all. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just, like, a really good... A lot of monster movies at this time were given crap for, like, oh, they don't show the monster. The monster doesn't do anything right until like later in the movie and that is for suspense so please dear god just let black and white movies breathe all right it's just <laughs> it was a difference in philosophy back then right but yeah. it is really awesome to have the foreboding intro and then set up immediately with like an attack and then go immediately into the chaos that ensues of the newspapers and everything and all the families like asking what is going on where's my family where's this person that i knew that was on this boat uh, i want to know the status of them and then these people at like the radio place just not knowing how to cope with all of this like at once this huge influx of people that are coming in after this tragic event happened and that they're like just confused and angry and upset and I really love that a lot. It is really powerful and kind of puts you in a very panicked mood immediately. You're already kind of already kind of on edge because of the beginning, like Godzilla roar and things like that. But just just seeing how much focus is given to the folks that are just related to the people on the boats and stuff just really puts you because everybody's felt that everybody's had someone kind of just have had someone or something, you know, if it's like a or, or you know just a dog or something like that just just go missing or you're 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 expecting to hear back from someone and you just kind of and, and it just takes a little bit too long to hear back and it's just uh and it kind of puts you on edge it puts you on in a state of panic and the movie just immediately puts you right there um and it's powerful yeah let's lay this bear right now because uh, mm -hmm. it's going to be a constant topic throughout the rest of the episode yes this very much feels like oh when like initial bombings were happening in japan the initial attacks people responding to that responding to that hysteria yeah like that's what it feels like because this may be news to at least one human on the planet <laughs> uh, but godzilla is a huge extended allegory for why war is bad and why the nuclear bomb disaster was so like it was like a door to hell that was opened and can never be closed again having that ensuing chaos and having that like very like the people watching the movie will immediately view this scene and be like i have lived through this i've seen this in some way and even us 60 something years later I can look at that and relate to it, not only on that at the time level, but we can relate to it in some way. Like Nikki said, we've had a relative that went missing or someone who was our friend that like was gone for too long or a pet was missing. And then 
uh, you just immediately start thinking the worst. When the movie transitions into uh, Dr. Yamane going to a village of people of whom know about Godzilla and like uh, know about what this monster might be, I guess. you It's this really awesome moment of you don't really get in a lot of films or like it feels more artificial that these are just like real ass people on this island like Oto Island the location is very much full of people that just look like actual people you would see on like an island yeah. like there's like kids with their shirts off and they're just hanging out and there's like dudes with like chubby titties and then there's <laughs> the, the oldest there's like an old man and then there's like the oldest lady on the planet earth there like... oh my god she she is so old like, like 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 if you've seen the movie you know exactly which lady we're talking about yeah like sunken in eyes just very very old woman it gives you this sense of like these are villagers these are people yeah. that are like grounded in reality it gives a uh, realness to the event and it allows it to make sense that they they see godzilla as like a folktale right uh, yeah and and uh there was a cut scene from the movie where uh there was more legwork done to imply that the the man that is telling them the story of Godzilla from the past is kind of like the village loon. Like he is considered like a dude that's just like yelling at the cloud. Right. Nobody believes him. Yeah. Uh, but that was kind of cut out and that that is fine. You know, they get that across just fine enough with what the, is in the movie itself. That is an interesting thing to bring up that that was like very implicit subtext that like, this is a guy that, like, maybe the rest of the village is like, oh, that's just that old man's tale. Oh, yeah, but, uh, he's, he's, just, he's just saying wild shit because he's senile or, you know, just, oh, you know, he's going on about Gojira again. No, no, no. So, yeah, like, that specific element is really awesome because uh, in the original storyboards, Godzilla resembled an Oni or a Hanya, like that yokai kind of look to it. So very much in the minds of the creators and like the viewers of this movie was that this is like some type of unnatural monster that could be spun into a folktale. But as the story goes on, you learn that it is just like an actual animal that is disturbed and they weave in the idea of like, Oh, this nuclear age stuff, bomb testings happening off the coast of Japan. Like that led to Godzilla being awoken and uh, mixing in like this modern element with this old folktale uh, gives it this really like modern feeling. You know, this is not like a, a classic story structure. This is a modern story. Yeah. It's, you know, in the, in the story really moves like, like the, there's uh, especially the beginning of the film, like uh, it has a lot of like perspective shifting going on where I feel like whenever people first saw this movie, Godzilla wasn't legendary yet. It was 1954. People first saw it. And so people were just kind of wondering like, who's the main character? Because you have the fishing boat, and then it goes over to the to the newspaper, and then it goes over to you know uh, uh, the diet, or you know it goes over, and then finally it settles on Doctor Yamane and and the associated people that he was with, and that is where the movie kind of continues to move. But the beginning of the film is super good because it's very panicked and just kind of cutting to different perspectives, different people, just like what's going on. Uh, and it really puts you in that kind of on tilt state, like I said earlier. Godzilla's first attack, you know, happens. The uh, first attack, really, you know, uh, on land. Uh, there's a typhoon, and we see or hear Godzilla just stomping through the city, just like really just, or the not yeah. the city, but the village. Yes, yeah. And yeah. Uh, yes, so we see that. 
uh, immediately it gives like credence to everything that we just heard. Like we could just blow it off as like, oh, it's just some folk tale, right? Uh, which would be kind of stupid because you're watching a movie called Godzilla, so you know. But it gives credence to the characters and it gives like context as to why they would then operate on the assumption that this thing is real going forward instead of just like writing it off. Right. The big attack uh, with the uh, with the storm is is super like impressive like on a miniature level and stuff and on just like a, a stress building level like the big one of the big images of this movie that i that always sticks out in my mind is uh the house in the village kind of like you can see it just shaking and it's like a shot from the inside and it's like shaking back and forth and it looks like it's on a platform it, it, it's it's just so like <laughs> visceral and just like frightening just be like damn the houses don't do that. They do not shake like that, and they're not supposed to. And here it is, shaking like this, roofs caving in, things like that. And it's just, it, it, it is, uh, and, and just miniature work, and just seeing how, just how it, it's, it's a specific way in thing in which things crumble, that is so yeah. like, uh, both weirdly satisfying to watch, just as someone that's just a junkie for this stuff, but also, um, it's just so just immeasurably terrifying to see just just these these houses fold in on themselves and you, it can be easily blamed on this storm but people know especially because there's giant footprints that it's godzilla he's on the loose he's he's he's, he's, he's looming yeah he's looming he's 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 around he's afoot yes uh, and speaking of feet uh, speaking of godzilla's feet <laughs> of course scene afterwards let's talk about feet investigating yeah let's talk about feet it involves dr imane investigating this huge footprint uh that is like impressed in the ground of this village immediately like right off the bat like you know this is a big deal and you know that there's a lot of uh nuclear age related baggage with this because mm-hmm. all of the water in the village has been poisoned by nuclear radiation the entire area around the footprint is incredibly radioactive. And then to kind of throw a wrench into the whole thing, there's the idea of he finds a trilobite in the footprint, yeah. giving the impression that this thing is like not only very old, but very, very old, like incredibly, yeah. like insanely old, you know, even goes beyond like old folktale. Like this thing has existed far before humans ever did. Yeah, from back from back in the dinosaur time. Yes, and then from there we go to the scene where we first actually see Godzilla and talking about like it did before. Uh, not only does this movie move at a really good clip, but they give you the monster like very early on. Like they've yeah. done all this legwork to build the suspense, but then you see the monster. And if you listen to the previous episode, uh, the original shot was supposed to be him with a cow bloodied in his mouth which would have been metal. <laughs> horrifying, uh, but, horrifying. Yeah, but it's fine. It still is horrific to see like this big monster looming in broad daylight because uh, he will be mostly at night uh, through the rest of the movie. And for the most part, monsters are always usually shadowed over uh, in these to like still leave some stuff up to your imagination. But like uh, you heard about the hell that they went through to create this suit. So they're going to show it. God damn it. Oh yeah. Yeah. They better. And uh, boy, like yeah, the, the the whole sequence leading up to his first appearance and when he first appears, uh, it's striking because I feel like you never uh, you never really expect to see the monster during the day. So the fact that you yes. that you do see him during the day, he just kind of peeks up over the mountain. And he's like, "Hey, what's up?" And it's like it is just the most, <laughs> you know, like I I, I, I kind of made fun of it right there, but. 
but in the moment it's like oh my god and so it, and just uh in the way that the movie plays it up the way that you know uh 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 the stars just are just just absolutely mortified you know like, like the actual cast of the of the film and just the uh the people uh uh running from it and stuff and just uh the fact it's on this just serene mountaintop where you don't really expect to see something horrifying like that and then there he is just over overlooking this mountain could have had a cow in his mouth just 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 awful awful <laughs> like like just scary ass shit you know like uh it's a i i am someone of the opinion that broad daylight is almost even scary like seeing scary shit in broad daylight is like way worse than seeing scary shit yeah like in at night it's like oh my god they didn't even care like yeah yeah. Yeah, and you're right that taps into a primal like thing of like oh when something appears to you at night you expect that you know you're always on edge at night because you don't know what's around the next corner but like if some horrific thing happens to you in broad daylight that's when you're the most comfortable oh no you're not safe anywhere this thing could just pop up and screw up your entire life at any point of the day it isn't just going to be working at night it isn't just sequestered to the water either this thing can get up. It's amphibious. It can get up and walk across the land. Godzilla f- follows zero rules of 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 subtlety of 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 espionage or anything. It it is God Godzilla just will come whenever it feels comfortable or particularly whenever it's startled. Uh, whenever whenever we do something, it will just come out and you know. Uh, so so yeah, and it really just puts you in that mood. It's like shit, man. Like there it was. Like it was right there and. Uh, I, I just man what I wouldn't give to like have a time machine go to 1954 see this with people that have seen it for the first time to see people just freak out you know like yeah. just, oh man great oh just to be, able, to be able to mind wipe myself and see it in 1954 would be very yeah. cool very cool <laughs> be able to mind wipe yourself and go back in time exactly yeah two different time. things two different things and, yeah. and then be in japan in 1954 and understand japanese and exactly then watch the yeah movie. yeah just a oh. lot a lot of qualifiers <laughs> but but god damn it i'm gonna get it done so the next scene is uh about dr yamane talking about the whole situation to a huge uh, boardroom of people that are like oh this is complete nonsense there's no giant dinosaur walking among us and he's like, uh, yeah, there is, and brings a plastic baggie of the trilobites. Yeah. And he's like, hey, guys, check this thing out. Yeah, you ever, that seen... <laughs> ever seen one of these? <laughs> oh, check this little bug out. And uh, you gotta love, it is the 50s, and you gotta love their horrifically off-the-mark estimate of, like, how long ago dinosaurs were around. Yeah. In <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, like... It's two million years instead of sixty-five million yeah, years. Yeah, they were here about two million years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, okay, I get it. It's a huge epic time scale, no matter what. But it's just yeah. funny to be like, I wonder what caused that specifically. Uh, maybe carbon dating stuff wasn't as like focused or on point. Right. That, yeah. Yeah. At that time, but it is. It is just funny to have that like look back and to see like the images of dinosaurs uh, that are just like very inaccurate to how we see them today. Uh, and uh, Yamane, of course, he's he's a relatable character because he's showing up completely disheveled to this important meeting, and he's like unbuttoned shirt, uh, yeah. the tie is completely messed up, and he's like fussing with it, you know, the whole time. It like gives your eyes something more to do while it's just a scene of a character talking. 
Yeah, uh, and, uh, uh, and and also, you know, it's important to bring up that he, like, along with the chill of light and along with the, the, the irradiated sand and stuff, he also just straight up just goes like, look at this, it's just a picture of Godzilla. And everyone just fucking <laughs> yeah. bugs out, and they're like, whoa, holy shit. And so he's just like, yeah, it's just, it's him peeking over. He's like, hey, what's up? It's, it's, it's just, you know, like, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, it, it, it causes absolute bedlam in that fucking diet. You know, it it, it yeah. is they're going nuts. Yeah. So in the in that boardroom, in that uh, whole yeah. discussion area, the idea of a post World War II Japan uh, being reluctant to acknowledge a serious issue that's affecting them. Yeah. Uh, because there's so much social baggage to it. That's like really on point for that time. You know, it's like about as confronting as it gets. The yeah. idea that uh, you know, they just they don't want to rock the boat. You know, they've just kind of uh, lost lost this war, and uh, a lot of them probably consider themselves to be the bad guys uh, right. in that specific war. And uh, and they just got out from under the thumb of the U.S. Uh, uh, occupation of Japan as well. So, you know, because yes. that was 1952 that that ended. So uh, there's a lot of just like, oh, man, I don't know <laughs> like if we should really come forward with a kind of bombshell like this. Yeah. Yeah, that like... Oh, yeah, we know that we just got out of your occupation, America, but your bombs caused this thing to start killing us. So, you know, yeah, like that yeah. would maybe not be the best thing to do at that time, like uh, in a social way. And it leads a lot of uh, reality to the idea of like people saying, oh, why, why is it just attacking Japan? Why don't they get the rest of the world involved? Well, this is why. Like, it would spiral out of control. And, and it could lead to, like, causing other bigger, longer-lasting problems. Right. And uh, in, 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 we all know America's solution to that. It's, like, well, let's throw another bomb yeah. at it. Let's see what happens, you know? Like, yes. <laughs> exactly. It's not, our, it's not our neighborhood. It's not our house we're going to fucking throw that bomb at and stuff. So, so yeah. So, there's definitely there's definitely very much, like, a, of a this is it's something we can try and manage on our own type of thing going on here that's again pretty real like it's pretty on point that that honda and company really went with this so the next scene after that uh i also think is is just super like just real kind of what along with the last scene and stuff and I, it's just it's such a short scene but uh i love it where uh it is it's a scene on a train uh with uh with three seemingly random people that are they're reading a newspaper and uh there's a lady in the middle that's uh that's just kind of fussing about and, and talking about like man things just keep getting worse these ships keep disappearing food's going nuclear and there's contaminated fucking fish and uh the woman remarks that she just like we like japan just narrowly escaped the the, the atom bombs and so it's, it's like how yeah. are they going to get away from this like why does it keep getting worse and uh it is interesting to note that uh later on uh there uh there's a scene where where godzilla uh destroys a cruise ship and those three people are on that cruise ship and die so oh, it is horribly <laughs> depressing that like yeah yeah, yeah you just get this throwaway the seemingly throwaway scene and stuff but it just adds to the to the japan that godzilla is painting that this film is painting where you know uh, that uh of this japan in distress where where it, it's it's just this oppressive mood over the entire thing with this monster. Uh, and, and this is one of the best and smallest examples of it. And there are another, there's a few other good, very small scenes in this movie too. Oh yeah. Uh, after that, we are introduced to Emiko and uh, her uh, 
kind of side piece, we'll say. Uh, she's engaged <laughs> to a character that we'll be seeing shortly, Dr. Sarazawa. Yeah. And uh, But she actually just sees him more as a big brother figure. And uh, mercifully, this love triangle isn't like a huge focus of the movie. Yeah, they don't really belabor the point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I heard that. that? I, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Motorcycle. Jesus Christ. Big dick, man. Yeah. So this love triangle mercifully is not a huge part of the movie. Uh, Not that it's bad or anything. Just that like the whole movie thematically is more about uh, Godzilla and uh, like it has a presence in society rather than specifically about like this very honed in interpersonal relationship it does though add some empathy to these characters you know it makes you feel for them as people that are like caught up in this uh, as like a small like slice of like humanity during this whole situation yeah yeah and 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 i do think that this is i I do think it is important and i and i think that uh this is uh one of the better triangles that i've seen I, i i have complained about love triangles before Unexplode when defeated uh, with Jetman. So uh, th- this is an example of one that is not intrusive, but just gives a bit more uh, dimension to, to, to these characters. So, uh, I actually do appreciate this one, even though, yeah, they, they don't really belabor the point. Uh, I, I kind of love that uh, 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 Ozawa is uh, kind of just, he doesn't really do a lot. He's, just kind, yeah. of, he's, kind, he's kind of just really is yeah. Emiko's yeah. side piece. It really yeah. is. <laughs> Uh, and apparently, I was actually reading uh, about it, and apparently, the star that played Ozawa was like walked around and was like uh, walked around the set and everything was like, "Hey, I'm the star in Godzilla. I, I, I'm the star." And then apparently, people were like, "Nah, Godzilla's the star." It's so, like, like, <laughs> nah, it's like you are not the star. Yeah, no, it is the monster. Like Haru and Nakajima is the star of the movie. Uh, we get him basically being like, "Hey, babe, you want to be with me?" <laughs> hey, Toots. Uh, go- <laughs> be me instead go talk to that go talk to Sarazawa. he's cool and all but like break it off with him and then be with me just like okay yeah and then uh newspaper uh guy is with him or with her as well yeah they both go to visit Sarazawa since they're going to the same place and she's like well if you can get any information out of him sure uh yeah. it does not work they visit Sarazawa. he's like no fuck off but i'm not telling you anything first of all gonna mention Sarazawa is the coolest looking motherfucker just like in the whole movie. He's got an eye know, patch. Get... He's got an eye yeah, patch. Yeah, he's got man. an eye yeah. patch. I know it's a World War II scar, so maybe it's not that cool. But <laughs> yeah, it... yeah. But it's just a cool look, you know, that that's like taking that perfect mad scientist look that you would expect of like, oh, this is a guy that's like they're crazy, like the Dr. Frankenstein or whatever. But it's absolutely not that type of character. Nah, he's uh he he is the legendary character from this movie. Like he is the one that people really remember, uh, and I think that is for very good reason. Uh, I think he and Yamane are probably the best characters in this film, or and the most uh, and the ones that give the most dimension to the film just from their perspective. But yeah, no, uh, uh, Serizawa is is really he's great, awesome. and he's yeah, he's awesome. Like, man, yeah. the eye patch. I, I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> give anybody yeah. an eye patch and they're instantly cool. Yeah, man. You know, like Majima <laughs> from the Yakuza series, he's cool. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. And uh, then after that, he's like, hey, uh, before Amiko can actually go and deliver the information of like, hey, we're you know we're not a thing anymore. I'm gonna be with this guy. 
I he's like, I need to get this off my conscience, so you need to suffer with me. Uh, brings her down to like an underground laboratory, and uh, this is the first uh, scene that shows us not explicitly, but hints at what is going to be the thing that will uh, be like the MacGuffin that they use later to defeat Godzilla. And uh, it is like perfectly foreboding. Oh man, I love the way they delay the the introduction of the Oxygen Destroyer. It is like, even then, like that phrase doesn't really mean a lot until you see what it does. And uh, uh, the way that they kind of delay it and they, they just show reactions, which is something that the movie does the entire time. It's just, you know, not just in this one case. It's just uh, uh, the way that Godzilla is always present, but you don't actually see him too often. It's totally fine because uh, uh, you see the reactions to Godzilla and how just horribly afraid people are. And that's a testament to pretty much everyone that's acting in this movie, just acting their ass off and just doing amazing work. Um, And uh, yeah, so this this is another step in that that direction is, is, is just... Uh, showing reaction, not showing the actual content just yet. Just waiting just a little bit more before you really get the the gravity of the situation. Just how just how scary things really are, and they make and then they make you make that reaction, make that face. Yeah. So you you see it, and it's it's worth the tension. Like it's worth all of all of the build up. So uh, the military decides to go ahead and uh, try to take care of it as quietly and quickly as possible uh, with yeah. the depth charge operation uh it it goes off and they think that it works and then uh dr yamane is like going home sullen he decides to go into his room in complete darkness and before uh emiko can try to tell him about uh any anything that's going on in her mind uh with all of this business with the wanting to break it off with Sarazawa, but then him being like, Hey, check out this death thing I made. <laughs> right, uh, you yeah. know, not going through her head, but her father is uh, just hanging out in this dark room, just completely sullen. It's this very like powerful moment of like, Oh my God, he's yeah. really being affected by this. And uh, we should explain though, that Yamane is very much in the opinion that Godzilla does not need to be killed. He needs to be studied, but not in a like, uh, mad scientist way more in a like oh this monster has the ability to resist nuclear radiation right yeah like he's he survived the bomb what's gonna get him next you know like like yeah. it's 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 kind of the thing where it's like well we can ma- we can maybe learn things about the bomb and learn things about uh just by learning from godzilla and stuff so yeah. uh so he's coming from a very sensible place it's not just a really like uh, arbitrary yeah you know. yeah it's not an arbitrary just like oh but what about the you know the, the cute monster that's killing everything it's like no like he he actually does have a decent reason and and one that i uh that, that i sympathize with that the movie makes you sympathize with It's really impressive that they take a movie that's like such a blatant thing about a nuclear bomb and nuclear weaponry and everything like that, and then make it morally gray. That that's that's impressive to do, and not morally gray in the sense of like, oh, people who use nuclear weaponry could be right. Not that at all. No, it's more like, uh, yes, this was the result of this 
horrible thing, but perhaps we can learn from it instead of just like right. trying to brush it underneath the table, like it, get it, rid of it. Yeah, and just, it's different. You know, pretend it, it never happened. Yeah, it's difference in opinion of how to deal with it. You know, you, you yes. don't you don't just roll over and take it, but also you don't you don't just 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 run at it blindly. But also, yeah. uh, you know, going to study it might take too long before you can actually yeah. do anything about it. So like, uh, the movie really just gives you so many differences in perspective and differences in, in morality. And it's kind of morally relativist in that way where it's kind of just always going back and forth with, it, with itself. It's it's hemming and hawing. It's, like it's trying to figure out what's what to do. And it, and it puts you in that state, too, where you're just like, well, what what what'll, what do we do with this? And... Yeah. Uh, it doesn't really reach a conclusion until it does, and even then, it seems imperfect. Uh, as will be a recurring theme in the show going forward. Yes, Godzilla survives the military attack. No kidding. And uh, yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he is continues to encroach on land. Uh, they set up the scene of uh, this whole bar- barricade of these electrical towers to stop Godzilla from going more inland. Uh, and we mentioned on the previous episode that this is all a matte painting. like Super impressive, yeah. That, that is crazy that they're able to blend like the actual on-set footage yeah. of miniatures with like this matte painting because it's like, oh my god. It's fun to make fun of matte painting stuff. Like You can look at uh, The Wizard of Oz and like, amazing movie, don't get me wrong, but the matte paintings are so goddamn obvious because it was such an old movie. And this is like, I honestly had no idea until like it was mentioned that oh that's a matte painting yeah yeah uh so uh, it's just yeah. a, a real masterpiece of miniature work you know it's just like you know i i just can't believe i mean okay i can't believe because yeah. apparently ag superaya uh he's a god the, yeah <laughs> yeah caused the military to believe you know that he actually did record footage of like attacks on U.S. soil, and then he was deemed a war criminal. Yeah. So hey, <laughs> but 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 yeah, no, it's uh, uh, Godzilla's first kind of foray into into coming on land and and the army just trying to deal with it. It's just so yeah, it, it's it's incredibly impressive. Like seeing Godzilla just kind of just tear shit down is just oh man, like it, it is nothing else. One one interesting thing is that mm-hmm. they originally had Godzilla want, like they originally wanted him to use the atomic breath on that daylight scene, like attack the villagers and then like leave. But it would be better to reveal as like a oh yes we got him and then oh shit we don't got him during yeah. this scene where he used the atomic breath to melt all of the electrical towers and just easily make his way past them without oh. suffering any real damage. That might possibly be my favorite effect in the whole movie is yeah. is is him melting the electrical towers uh it is just always such a powerful image uh and uh, uh i gotta say uh the recent king of the monsters uh, american movie referenced it in one scene and i did cheer uh out loud uh embarrassingly just because i love that scene in this movie so much is uh just just the way they wilt, and I actually think I read that like they, they made those specific ones out of wax and actually did like blow like hot air at it to make it like actually like like wilt like that and stuff. Like it yeah. is, it's it's really cool. Um, it it is just uh, it's it's just one of the more powerful I think Im- uh, images and effects in the movie. It's just you know this this giant like 
you know, this giant thing that that people build to power their cities, and it's just like just crumbling, yeah. wilting, it just in the presence of Godzilla. Is this great? Yeah, yeah. So going from like the first military operation, yeah, to like this attack, uh, uh, like destroying the barricades, to him like mm-hmm. continuing to encroach, and then seeing like all of the people like listening to the radio and like yeah. getting like live reports as they're coming in of like what's happening and what's coming towards them. Right. Yeah. It's like, there's also this very like pointed uh, metaphor for things that would be happening in world war two, like the fire bombing yeah. or the like atomic bombs. Right. And, and even, so, and even decades later, this is something that still is like, like I said earlier and stuff is still super relatable because like I have had to go through tornado watches uh, at home and we have been kind of just sitting by and like waiting for text messages and stuff. Like I've had to hide in the bathroom mm-hmm. with my entire family before. Uh, I we both have friends that have uh, gone through hurricanes before. Oh, that yeah. is horrifying to think about. Yeah. So so it's kind of it's it's again not the same as going through a bombing, but uh, I, I it is uh, it's something you can still kind of relate to and kind of uh, on that human level of just watching this and be like, oh, I have been in a room that felt like that a little bit. Yeah, this like uh, the end of the world is kind of happening right at this moment. Yeah, just, you know, yeah, this total mystery. Yeah. And it's this amazing feeling of like, oh my God, this is all happening in one night. Yeah, one night. <laughs> <laughs> so on Godzilla, like when he starts making it towards the city and starts like actually attacking it's just like it's a nightmare it just goes on for far longer than you like would ever expect yeah yeah and it's just like it's like it's just it beating you in the face yeah basically if, if you're like an impatient sap and you're just like all right come on where's the monster and stuff that whenever it gets to it the monster stays for so long that you're like oh man you're kind of overdoing it huh and so like you know like like, <laughs> like it gives you so much of the monster that even if you're impatient like, you're like man, jesus christ down. man calm down uh and uh this watching this all i could think of you know especially because i've been doing the show i've been watching tokusatsu every fucking day of the year uh this point so it's just always on the mind but just watching this and i was like holy shit man this is the big bang this is this is history this entire sequence of of godzilla just laying waste to tokyo is just so this is this is history this is this is tokusatsu literally starting right here and 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 starting off an entire genre an entire movement that's still happening today it's crazy to think that like it came from such a depressing place but like yeah all of this is amazing you know expression of art and expression of like the underlying feelings that these people have had uh you know at that point in time and like everything about that still is just rings as true today i mean uh we'll talk about it way down the line but shin godzilla like that movie is just as pointed of a metaphor for the current events at that time um as this is towards like what was very very recent wounds yeah for them and uh this very recent like and it should be noted that a lot of the mentality was not like, oh, those evil Americans harmed us. It was, we're suffering from the consequences of our own hubris kind of like right, yeah, yeah. Uh, thing. So yeah. the whole movie has that kind of angle to it. And I don't agree with 
the idea that Japan deserves to be bombed. No, no. But it is yeah. like it's important to realize that like this movie was made, uh, you know, Godzilla is like a malicious entity that's like laying down and killing people, and it is very much a like yes maybe they don't deserve it this bad but like this is happening this isn't happening for no reason to them right yeah it, it, it's uh uh yeah I, I you know it's very important to to consider that this is probably one of the the better movies to point at whenever you think of film as a collaborative medium because right. uh you take out any of the like hundreds of people working on this movie and stuff and something's hugely different about it and i think all those different people had different opinions of uh the fallout from the nuclear bomb and what could have happened what what uh what could have been different and stuff so i think yeah like like at the same time i think there can be the sentiment of uh you know america did this to us but also there's a sentiment of maybe we deserved it which i again i don't agree with at all but like there's there can be those sentiments at the same time and that's kind of just within this movie like we said where yeah. it kind of goes back and forth on a lot of issues and doesn't yeah. really settle on anything really uh so it kind of just presents a lot to you and just just again godzilla really does just make you fucking think like uh yeah. you know and yeah. i think about this movie like all the time uh, you know <laughs> like white just mentioned a little bit ago chin godzilla you know i saw that in theaters whenever it came out and i'm still i still think about it like weekly like it is it is yeah. a powerful very thought-provoking movie uh about just the, just the the state of of how we deal with disaster and how we deal with uh ourselves during that so yeah it, it's 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 a lot i think about it and other things that i think about that this movie has seared into my skull like mm -hmm. imagery uh is just there's a very simple shot of this woman and her children God cowering in fear yeah. as Godzilla's rampaging through the city and like just trying to console these like sobbing children by saying, like, don't worry, we'll join your father soon. And that's just like that's horrible. That's one of the most horrible possible things you can put in a movie. No, this is something that's like so horrible and cruel, just like right here. That it makes you go like fuck man yeah and again these are characters that never show up in any other part of the movie and so the, like it is just like like th this movie really it takes time to zoom in on like very very specific cases of people in this in the midst of this and all of them are fucking like horrifying like i think about the the newscaster narrating his own death Oh my like, God. like it's just you know like 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 where he's just like kind of talking like godzilla's coming closer he's going to take down the tower uh, you know if i see you again you know like there's all these different things going on like all these different tiny stories that are like one minute clips from this movie that are just yeah. some of the most that are more powerful in one minute than most entire series of movies ever can be like it is yeah. it is fucking incredible like it is just it, so immense of a movie uh yeah th yeah th this movie like and once again like those it's it all comes together with the amazing miniature work like really making you like kind of get lost in the movie and believe that this is this is just something that is happening yeah you know and like you can see some of the dna of uh that was in subaraya's mind of like oh he wanted to make this stop motion but it would take seven goddamn years so yeah <laughs> he had decided not to but there is like bits of stop motion throughout the movie 
uh, yeah. to uh, have like a car crash into a building or for Godzilla like lifting up uh, trains off of the train tracks. God, after, yeah, like, what, what a moment. Stepping down through them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it is just like this one long continuous like 20 minute like just exhausting mentally and emotionally scene of Godzilla destroying the city that is just this perfect demonstration of this ongoing chaos and tragedy. Right. And it's just one night. And that's all it takes, right? Like, like you know, like disaster, when disaster strikes it, it is, it, it, it's an instant, you know? <laughs> you know, tornadoes only take like a few minutes to touch down and just ruin your entire house. Like it is, it, it's so fast. Uh, a lot of the worst things that happen to people in their lives are incredibly quick instances uh that they deal with for years uh and this yeah this movie just it's exemplifies that it's an entire country being scarred by this one single night uh it it it, it it's incredible it, it it really is uh one of the more powerful pieces of 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 cinema like i've ever seen just this just this slice of the movie so uh, uh another piece of this uh giant long uh, t- horribly depressing uh, sequence is the fact that uh, uh, Godzilla specifically uh, at one point destroys the Japanese diet building and the roof caves in and people are like running out with like, you know, like armfuls of paper and documents and stuff and trying to, trying to get out. And uh, per the commentary, I, th- uh, I thought they presented a really interesting kind of thought about this scene that i wanted to present uh the, the commentary on the uh, uh on the criterion uh blu-ray was by uh a gentleman by the name of uh, david Collot who did uh a big critical piece of work uh on godzilla and uh david Collot uh mentions in the commentary that uh a majority of the japanese public while they certainly took away from the film the commentary on the fallout of the bomb they uh kind of more so felt connected to Godzilla and in test screenings with producers at Toho and stuff they, uh, there were people actually crying at Godzilla's death more than anything else. Godzilla destroying the very Japan that sent people to war that they didn't really want to be in uh, must have been cathartic in that way. And uh, that's just one more like weird perspective that's in this movie and just very, in just a very short reading of it uh, yeah. that contributes to, to this film you know just just kind of being able to like check all the boxes and be for everybody because it kind of has every single inward and outward criticism that japan uh has or like you know has either inward or outward of like criticism towards other countries or criticisms towards themselves and stuff are in this movie whether you agree with them or not they're, they're kind of just swirling within this movie as this giant kind of pot of gumbo that you know or that 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 is just just full of all these different ingredients of just uh uh all these people taking in you know things like you know like it it was a very calculated decision to build a miniature of the diet building and then have it be destroyed uh like even in the commentary there's like a little tiny story about them like uh whenever they built up the diet building and everything it was like really fragile and stuff so like someone accidentally tripped on it and like broke it before they could actually like film the scene with it and then they like built it back up and then Haru Nakajima accidentally tripped and like broke it and stuff. So they built it one more time and actually reinforced it, but the reinforcement was like too strong. So it didn't break right. So they like just, so for that scene, whenever you watch it, 
Uh, it's like very like quick cuts of him like destroying stuff and everything because that was just all they had that was like actually good to use for him yeah. destroying the diet building. No, that that is all very interesting. You know, like I, it's stuff that you can pick up uh, if right. you're if you are just watching the movie. But it is like it's good to kind of hear somebody else kind of put it into words and like yeah, this movie is just so complex in so many different ways. Like it is honestly one of the most complex movies like of that period like just all across the world yeah yeah like like every like basically every sequence or or just image in this movie is like loaded with some kind of meaning or some kind of subtext that's really interesting you know and and i and uh it's very out there too so it really doesn't feel like you're reading too far into it whenever you say things like you know, like what was like, like what I just kind of brought to you guys about the diet building thing. Cause that wasn't at all my reading, but that was just something that was brought to me in the commentary yeah. that I thought was just so interesting. It makes sense. Yeah. So after the huge ongoing train wreck, that was that whole scene, we get the aftermath and just seeing people in like shelters and like, uh, man, just lined yeah. up like people, people like refugees of this huge traumatic event you know, like it's like a hurricane shelter or some type of, yeah. you know, after you, some type of bombing. Yeah, if you uh, thought the hurt was over, you've got another thing coming. Oh, man. This that, is not, yeah, it doesn't let up. Yeah. The aftermath is like just so. Yeah, it's so like as bad. <laughs> it's like as, it's like as hurtful. Yeah. Just seeing oh. like all the people damaged and like depressed and then seeing like a mother that's like has possibly just died god and the kid and the kid crying and like screaming oh my god yeah that's that's one one of those moments that wrenched tears out of me you know and then the emiko's guilt finally piling up enough that like she knows that there's a possible way to kill godzilla yeah the oxygen destroyer but she promised to sarazawa that she wouldn't tell anybody but she has to break that promise in order to stop this madness and uh, the ensuing scene of them going to confront Sarazawa, or not confront him, but, like, to tell him, like, we know about it. Yeah, just to try to convince him. Yeah, yeah. It, it is another part of gray morality where Sarazawa has a very good point that, like, this could help. But just like the atomic bomb, you know, the people that designed that did not intend for it to be used for such horrible human tragedy, but it got used anyway. Because the research was done and all the information was there. They just need to put the pieces together. So the oxygen destroyer is the same thing. Like, even if he got rid of it, it would still exist because he exists. They would capture him. They would, like, make sure that they used it to, like, hurt other people. And and this thing is, like, terrifyingly powerful. Uh, He says that it could kill every single thing in Tokyo Bay. It turns it into a graveyard is the exact words that he used yeah yeah it strips away all of the oxygen in the water and in flesh and disintegrates it i wish there was an entire documentary on the effect that that they used to to like show the oxygen destroyer working because the like the fish and then like just the bubbling so i want to know how they did that and like oh man it's it's like it's super awesome. good it's it's, it's such awesome a good and effect. horrific and so it's oh like, man yeah it, it is it is really scary to see in action and see seeing all their reactions to it yeah um, and yeah. and like emiko's pained like scream when we finally see the full scene of what she saw down there 
Yeah. Uh, it, it feels like it's actually somebody like seeing something and, and screaming and just like fright at this. You know, it doesn't feel yeah. like the uh, a kind of scream queen type thing of, you know, like you would no, get in the yeah, 50s yeah. movies of like a lady like very melodramatically screaming at something. And, and, and then fainting, you know. Yes. Which it I mean, is... she she faints here, I think. Like, but but, but you well, know, she like yeah. rips on to Sarah's Right, right, yeah. Like... She doesn't faint. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But... They're both like kind of like, oh my god. Yeah, it's that. just like, well, she's like, oh my god, and he's like, yeah, I know, right? Like, <laughs> but uh, like, it's just amazing that like they even there like they they have this whole like tryst come together, like these three characters that are in this like love triangle situation, and uh, it even involves like. What the hell is the name of the guy, the guy that's the boyfriend? Like I can't remember. His name. Uh, I think it's Ozawa. I yes. might be wrong. Yes, but, uh, that's fine. But yeah, we don't we don't need to fact check things here. Yeah, yeah. He look like he's very not important. Yeah, so like, like man <laughs> is <laughs> begins to wrestle uh, like the plans from Doctor Sarazawa. Is like, no, we need this. We need this to if yeah. we're gonna ever have a chance to beat this guy. And he struggles with it and like ends up injuring him. Even after that, there's no like bad blood between them. They like realize how severe and how like gray this whole thing is. It's more like pleading than it is like, hey, you're being selfish by not giving the world this thing. Right. Yeah. Like like it's not a John Wayne movie where John Wayne punches the guy out and then takes it anyway. You know. Like like it's it's it it really is just. Like they're able to reason with him and stuff. It's a, it gets a bit violent and stuff, but Sarizawa eventually just really realizes that like there it can't be helped. And it's just a soul crushing moment of like him, everything that he feared coming true. Of like he has to use this now. It's the only way. And seeing the on the TV is what convinces him. The the choir of children, oh. singing, and it's just like the devastation. Yeah. that we see afterwards and like how terrible it truly is you know um another fun fact about this movie that scene uh the choir scene was filmed last they did not completely figure out what was going to be on the tv that uh that convinces uh serizawa and uh uh they and they kind of structured the uh the dialogue like that as well where like he doesn't actually just say oh man that choir like he doesn't say <laughs> yeah. anything he just kind of just goes all right fine uh so like um whenever they kind of brought the uh the movie to uh to to be scored and stuff it, after they got the score and after they got all the music and stuff was whenever they decided okay we're going to use the composer to compose another song for a choir scene and then that's the, and then that was inserted that was composited into the tv in that scene so that's actually the last scene they shot for the movie was was that and it, it it's so powerful it's such a good touch jesus christ it made me cry <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. that was like yeah. the final thing that kind of like yeah. pushed me over the edge during that scene and and just in general because we didn't yeah. get to talk about it before but the music throughout the whole movie is just oh so my iconic God. it's so amazing like godzilla's theme is perfect it's perfect and and, and the and the uh the bomb 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 <laughs> the, 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 like it's that's one of my favorite like oh yeah. god i love it whenever they played it in shin godzilla like mm, I, I, yes. I love i love the score i love ikufube's so we finally get to the final scene of the movie which is the mm -hmm. uh, deployment of the oxygen destroyer ozawa and sarazawa like they're uh going off the bridge or uh going off the ship 
mm-hmm. to go underneath the water and uh, deploy the oxygen destroyer in Tokyo Bay. Godzilla is just sleeping. He's chilling out in Tokyo Bay after his long, yeah. eventful night. And uh, that's the perfect opportunity to get him before like anything gets worse. So it's this very huge moment of like, oh, they, they're going to do this incredibly dangerous task. Uh, they might not survive. Just this sobering moment of like, oh, this is really happening. Once he uses this thing, everybody will know what the oxygen destroyer is capable of. If that if it can kill Godzilla, which nothing else was able to kill, then who knows what other things it could be used for. So it is this incredibly like powerful moment, and it's just the the music being so sparse at this point, just very serene and not not like overbearing and like triumphant in any way. It's just so like ethereal. Yeah, them them uh Sarazawa and Ozawa like kind of walking on the bottom of the sea just there uh, or trying to get to godzilla to deploy the oxygen destroyer it's it, uh it's almost like dreamlike the yeah. way that the water moves in that scene it's just so yeah again it's it's, it's serene it's 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 again it's, it's almost comforting but in it but but in a very weird way because it like it it, it isn't it isn't a comforting moment yeah. for either of these guys it's the most nerve-wracking moment in their lives but just, just the way it's filmed and stuff is a little bit uh, it's almost sleepy in a way. It, it's it's yeah. a really interesting, weird uh, uh, point of the movie. Sarazawa, of course, doing the noble sacrifice and cutting his cord so that when he deploys the oxygen destroyer and it's going off and yeah. activating and spreading its effect all across Tokyo Bay, uh, yeah. he is not going to be pulled back up. He is going to kill himself along with the knowledge of how to create this thing and all of the all of the research that he's done so that nobody else could hope to replicate this yeah. horrible thing again. Yeah. And, and uh, 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 and that brings us to the ending of the movie uh, with, with people uh, with the realization uh, that, that he, he cut off the rope and that he, he's, he's given his life to, to destroy Godzilla, the, uh, the scene of Godzilla kind of just fading away into the water is uh, again weirdly serene, and but but also just kind of just soul crushing, uh, because because you also you sympathize with the monster. You don't really want to see it go because you know it didn't implicitly do anything wrong. It, 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 it's just such a such a powerful ending. And Jesus Christ, yeah. Yam, what Yamane says at the end is just it's perfect. It's yeah. the perfect like it is the closest that like like it's the most. It's one of the most powerful lines in the movie, on in a movie full of powerful images and powerful lines. But it also is kind of, in a very weird way, also evokes and kind of kicks off a lot of fifties and sixties sci-fi movies of just like, oh, but what if you know? And then it's just the and then it's just the end. But like this, the sentiment that you know, that like that no one said that there was just this one. There, there could always be another Godzilla somewhere as long as nuclear bombs are still out there as long as people still have this power there will always be a godzilla somewhere yeah uh sadly he did not mention that uh i hope the oxygen destroyer doesn't mutate a crab and then 40 (laughs) years later it will turn into a giant demon monster and attack tokyo again yeah i i i I really i don't think so but uh let's let's hope that doesn't happen yeah let's hope that never happens but and yeah, that's that's the end of the movie. And then you know the last shot is just you know, like uh, 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 
the kanji for for the end just on black and everything it did just like how it started and it kind of just and that's yeah. it you know uh uh and uh it's a really again it's kind of just a somber and low-key ending but it yeah. is it, it really sticks with you if you were ever watching this movie for the first time and you were kind of unsure of it at the beginning just because it was so like quickly cut and and uh quickly paced and everything by the time it settles out after the the big uh rampage and stuff uh it becomes very clear that this is something special uh and yes uh it, it it's just amazing um and uh uh there was another thing that i was thinking about uh from uh the critic tadao sato's uh interview on the criterion set that i think i uh i mentioned in the first episode but i'm not yes. so sure in this one but uh uh he he says something really interesting about just the the nature of it because the the test screenings were not alone a lot of Japanese people at the time really, really, really took to Godzilla. Kids loved him uh, <laughs> somehow yeah. in this movie. <laughs> they just love the guy, uh, and uh, uh, and people really, really took to uh, really empathizing for for Godzilla, and uh, and in that way, uh, Tadao Sato said that he believes that that may be. Uh, you know, just his reading of it, the because of the way that people relate with the monster, uh, and and Honda's other monster movies, he he wonders if that's because Japan, for a time after the war, saw itself as the monster, cornered by humanity and taken down, uh, and maybe that's why the people of Japan were so sympathetic for Godzilla. Again, I I don't, you know, the, the like like the, that's that's just his reading, but I thought it was just so interesting and so just kind of again just really sad to think about as people just kind of relating to this monster in this way like like in, in in this kind of defeated way after after experiencing just such loss and they still kind of blame themselves it's that kind of weird recursive mentality whenever you've kind of gone through something uh uh, uh traumatic or, or abusive that or, or you know even abusive uh not to get too heavy and stuff but like you know you kind of have that recursive thought of well, maybe I did something wrong, yeah. And uh, just, just it's so interesting on a on a sociological level to think that maybe the entirety of Japan kind of had a little bit of that, you know. Um, and uh, I don't know. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's it's a lot to think about. Yeah, and and just seeing just that one reading and making me think about it. And again, sixty five years later, uh, Godzilla is just so immense it's so yeah. powerful you can come to this movie at many different points in your life and bring different things about it like you know like again we were both 16 when we first actually kind of understood the movie but again we don't understand it in nearly the way that we understand it now and possibly 10 years from now we might be watching the movie again and take something else from it you know um uh it, it, it it's very much a movie you kind of bring a little bit of 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 your own experience to and take out uh, just something else that that's just so so interesting and riveting to you uh it is it is truly timeless there are a few movies you can really say that for but this movie is one of them uh yeah i totally agree uh this movie it, it's so obvious how this movie became a huge franchise and while it would eventually lead to to sillier movies like godzilla versus Hedora and uh you know Mm -hmm. uh, son of godzilla like the dna has never left this series and that's what yeah. we really want to get across is that this started at this point it never lost any of this dna though uh it may have like wandered in the weeds here and there but 
uh, a lot of people have a misconception that Godzilla is all just purely silly fun. And it is in a lot of ways. Uh, but there is a lot to read into these movies. You can take a, a lot away. And like, uh, as we talked mostly about like Dr. Sarazawa and Yamane, characters are huge in these movies. They're not just bo- the boring human parts. You know, uh, that's most of what this movie is. And th- this movie may be a standout in the series because it's the first that has the most like cultural pressure on it. Uh, but there are parts uh, in movies throughout that do have similarly well-written uh, plots with the humans. So it's it's worth remembering that as good as this movie is, it's not like it's all completely awash from here on out. Oh, no. it, it uh, We're only getting started. Uh, again, this is probably the heaviest this series is going to be for a little bit, but but this podcast will keep trucking, and this podcast will get to a lot of other points where where this series really gives you a lot of food for thought. Godzilla, um, you know, like like you think about some some series that had like one really good one and have never really you know like like for instance you know say like the Alien series or the Terminator series they have like two good movies. And then they kind of peter out and stuff. One good movie does not make 30 fucking sequels. There, There's something else at play. And there are other movies holding up that weight. It's not just this one. And that's that's part of why this is a long-running podcast. Not just a, a one-off thing. Uh, where why it helps me do a review. No, this is going to be a long-standing thing. And we're going to show you and walk you through Toho's monster movies. And just how relevant they keep on being. Look, we set out to discuss all monsters, damn it, and we are going to. Yeah, not not discuss Godzilla monsters. No, it, it's discuss all monsters. A L L, baby. Yeah, baby. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's the whole fucking thing, uh, and uh, and I cannot wait to go on this journey with with you, Wyatt, and with the people watching or listening uh, on whatever platform we have figured out how to release this on. It is yes. going to be a blast, and we're going to be doing it for a long fucking time, so you better not get annoyed about it, because, uh, whoops. Yeah, yeah, whoops. <laughs> whoops. All right, and that will do it for this week's episode. I am Ben Wyatt, your host, and you can find me at twitter.com slash wasbranger. That's W-A-Z-P Ranger. There you can find some art, some posts about cartoons and anime and tokusatsu. Uh, and you can find me linking to my videos from YouTube. My videos on YouTube, that's under It's Only Magic. I do videos about cartoons. I do videos about anime. So you can find all of that there. And if you ever want to check out some of my art, uh, you can go to twitter.com slash and check out my long, very, very long series of posts that I've made doing daily drawings of every single character and monster throughout all the Dragon Quest series. Huge fan of Godzilla. You're probably a nerd. You probably would like Dragon Quest. So check that out. Yeah, you can find me at Twitter at anti underscore laser. Uh, it's the big old beautiful picture of Pigmon that you will see. And I am also the singer and lyricist for two different bands. Uh, you can find releases from anything that I'm involved in uh, on popspirit.bandcamp.com. The bands that I'm in are a very aggressive, uh, very complicated, interesting, I guess, band called Petalfold. 
and a more experimental, kind of adventurous rock uh, outfit called Burned In. I am also the creator and manager of the Explode When Defeated podcast Patreon, uh, where you will find uh, exclusive deets and info and extras for Discuss All Monsters and other associated series. At the $1 tier, you will get a thank you message and access to our off-topic podcast, and a one-day early podcast release for Discuss All Monsters without ad breaks. At the $5 tier, you'll get everything I just mentioned for the $1 tier, as well as early access to exclusive miniseries we'll be doing, two of which are going to be the original Common Rider series and Planet of the Apes. Neither of those are available just at the moment, but anytime one of those becomes available, you'll be the first and only ones to be able to access it through this Patreon. After every episode, after a miniseries is complete, that will show up on, uh, on Spotify, but if you want to be the first and if you want to follow along with us, please check out that Patreon. Also, if you want to give us $1,000 a month, I'll call you Boss Hog. So tune in twice a month for, uh, for new episodes of Discuss All Monsters, and uh, thank you very much for listening, and that's our sign-off. ヤスラギを光を即変えれかし本日全国一斉に行われました平和への祈りこれは東京からお送りするその一コマでありますしばらくは命込めて祈る乙女たちの歌声をお聞きください